you guys can uh, have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Nah, stay here. Whew, well, oh man, it's good. Um, so again, uh, if you weren't in here or you don't know, my name's Roger, and uh, and I am the lead pastor here. Uh, man, I, I'm just gonna tell you what happened. So last night. Uh, I, I've been learning from uh, from guys like John Wesley. Uh, maybe you've heard of the Methodist Church or Wesleyan universities or things like that. And one thing he says that he does in, in, in a book about preaching, he says that every Saturday night, which is a mistake, he kneels down next to his manuscript and he prays this prayer, God, these words of mine are pathetic without your power. And so he says, God breathed life into this manuscript, and he said that whenever he was finished, he would wait, he would get up from his knees and have a, like a resurgence to preach that message and a sense of peace about it. And so I, I, was, in the, I was in John Wesley mode, I sat it down, and I, I knelt down, I locked the door so my wife didn't come in and think I was dead or something. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm kneeling down, and I pray, and I get up, and it's like the opposite of what peace is. I just felt like God was like, you're right, that is pathetic, you were, you were right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, come on, man, <laughs> oh, let's try again in the morning. So I went to bed, and I was like, I was like, this, this is it, I'm going to wake up in the morning, and maybe God will have changed his mind, or he would have had enough time to make this good. Um, I'm not going to limit God, but uh, he didn't change his mind. So I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning, and was like, God, man, what... Uh, you know, I, I knelt down next to it again, tried not to fall asleep because 4 o'clock is pretty early. And I was like, God, this is pathetic manuscript without your power. Can you breathe some life into it? And I got up, and there was another sense of peace, but it also brought another kind of holy anxiety. Was He was like, just leave it at home. And I was like, there's no going back after that. <laughs> My wife's balancing two kids. I'm like, I asked her to bring it. You know, I act like I forgot it. It's so here's what we do here. We, we know that God, uh, the Holy Spirit's real. God is real. And we want to listen to him and his leading, no matter how foolish the possibility is that we may look. But we believe that God's, these are God's words, and we rely on God's power through his word. And so, uh, man, if you're new this morning, if this is your first time here, uh, this is not the norm, not that we don't rely on the Holy Spirit, but uh, usually, uh, I <laughs> look at this, I don't know if you can see, usually I have more than this, this is what happened at 4.30 this morning, I can't even read half of it, because I was probably asleep, so um, here's what we're going to do, we've been working through the book of John together as a church, and uh, if you need a Bible, you can go ahead and throw your hand up, we'll bring you one, uh, we, don't put, we don't put every verse on the screen, uh, we want you to look in your Bible or at your phone or at your tablet, whatever you use. Uh, so if you need a Bible, throw your hand up. There might be, if you glance down at the end of your row, a stack of Bibles, we'd love for you to have one. If, that's not, if this is not your, uh, if you don't have a Bible or own one, take that home and let it be yours. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we chose as a church to go through the book of John, um, and we started a series called New Me, Who Dis? The beginning of the year always offers a brand new opportunity to, uh, to start over, right? I mean, every day is, but we all, get, uh, we all get jacked up about the beginning 
of the new year. And so far, we have tackled the most part of John 1 through 4. Um, We're going chapter by chapter, but we can't cover every verse in every chapter. All right, so your homework is to read along with us each week. So after we're finished today, you're going to go home and read uh, chapter 5. So if you go ahead and flip in your Bible to John 5 and find it. Um, I can't, and in my Bible, it's on page 969, but that doesn't So, matter. let me catch up to where we are in John. <clears throat> John begins with this big, huge opening. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And he's making an allusion all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, right? In the beginning. John, no doubt, there's no doubt about it, that John wants the reader to know that this is about God, whoever it may be. So as you read through John 1, you're trying to figure out who is this word, who is this word, who is this word. And finally, in chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and the word put on flesh. Don't forget about this. That in John chapter 1, the first time we hear anybody speak a name for Jesus, it's not Jesus. It's not Emmanuel, God with us. It's the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. There's no doubt in our mind as we read, we're trying to figure out who is this Who is this word? Oh, now he put on flesh. Who is it? Oh, he's a sacrifice of God. So as we read through the book of John, we read that it's about this character, this this guy named Jesus. Who happens to be John's best friend? If you were to write a story about your best friend, what what stories would you include? Probably a lot you wouldn't include, right? Yeah. And some of y'all, I don't even want to read it. You're like, hey, here's my book about my best friend. Nope, I know some of those stories. I'm good. John writes some uh, writes this story about Jesus. He actually refers to himself in this book as uh, the one Jesus loved. Oh, okay, John, the one Jesus loved, huh? John chapter two picks up. He's at a wedding. They run out of wine. He turns a hundred and twenty gallons of water into wine. This guy can't be reproduced. You can't make that up. You can't fake that. Then he just meanders on down to Jerusalem, sees the temple, and he sees all these holy people who are now taking advantage of the poor. Ah, Jesus being one of them. Jesus is poor, was poor, grew up poor. He's like, not in my father's house. And he goes and starts flipping tables over. I'm telling you all this to know he's got the attention of everybody. Because when we get to John chapter 3, one of the most religious elite people, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus and he starts asking him questions. That's where you get John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should have everlasting life. Now it's right here I think we should pause and just say we believe that. Do you? We believe that if you're here this morning and you have a rickety past you're trying to run away from, that Jesus still will accept you if you believe in him and live a life pursuing Christ. Here's what we also believe. We believe that John chapter 3, John chapter 3 verse 16 is not just about you. It's about the whole world. Because that's what it says, right? In the be- uh, not in the beginning. For God so loved the whole world. That even includes all of Jacksonville. And it's, it's right there that we love God uh, relentlessly. We love people recklessly. And we love our world radically because we believe John 3.16 is true. 
And so John chapter 3 turns into John chapter 4. We read about that last week where Jesus breaks down social barriers, racial barriers, and walks and talks to this uh, Samaritan woman who has a crazy past. Well, actually, it was a crazy present, right? Remember this from John chapter 4. If you take notes or you write in the margin of your Bibles that God uses the story of people, the stories of people to tell the story of Jesus, and that includes your own. So here we are in John chapter 5. The story is continuing to progress. I'm telling you, I'm catching you all up, one, so you're caught up, but two, so that you know there's a reputation that is following Jesus. All right, John chapter 5, verse 1. Lord, help us. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, here's what's interesting. If you're following along, if you're a nerd like me and you're looking in your map, you're following Jesus, he's actually traveling south. But verse 1 says he's traveling up. So they, they, they're talking about elevation, okay? Not, not north, south, east, west. Also, if you say up and down, stop saying that. Say north and south, you know. I'm going up there. You might be from North Carolina if, right? Okay. So um, they go up. And now here's what's interesting. For the Jewish festival, the only, the only thing you really need to know about this is that just means there are going to be people there. And what kind of people? Jews. Jewish people. It's a Jewish festival, okay? So people who follow the law, specifically what we're going to see here in a minute, the Sabbath. No work on the Sabbath. Rest on the Sabbath. Did anybody else grow up where your family would cook everything on Saturday so they didn't cook on Sunday? Anybody else grow up in a house where you weren't allowed to cut the grass on Sunday because it was work? No. My parents were like, we're not allowed to cut the grass on Sunday because it's work, so you go do it. I was like, all right, that's fine. (laughs) Verse 2. Verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. This, uh, this is really great, man. Um, there's a lot of criticism against the Bible. It's not real. There are names mess- made up. And one of the biggest uh, proponents against Scripture was this pool. That this, uh, we'll read in verse 4 in a minute, there's, there's kind of like a myth that surrounds this pool. And they say that the writers of Scripture made it up. There's not a pool called Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. So maybe you grew up in a city where there was a, a hospital named Bethesda. In Cincinnati, there's a Bethesda hospital. In 1940, archaeologists were just doing a dig. And guess what they found? Inscripted. On a piece of stone, the words, Bethesda, house of mercy. And you know where they found it? Near a place called, on another inscription, the Sheep Gate. So these archaeologists are doing dig after dig after dig, and some of them are even trying to disprove the Bible to be true, but what they're, trying, what they're doing is, is proving it for us. Hey, there's validity in this, okay? There is power in this. It existed. This is a real story that happened. Now, you'll notice verse 4 is skipped. There's not a verse 4. But this is what it would say. It might be in your footnotes somewhere. I'm going to explain this in a minute. It might be in your footnotes somewhere. But verse 4 would say um, uh, that they were paralyzed and they waited for the moving of the water. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool 
or the first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cared for, uh, cured of whatever disease they had. Okay, so here's the myth, um, and, and here's why it's not in your, in, your, in your Bible as you're reading through. A long time ago, we couldn't just walk down the hall and make a copy, okay? We couldn't hit print and have it print 10 copies so all our friends could read it. So they took very careful of the, took very good care of the original manuscripts. And in the first century, if I wanted a copy of the book of John, I would either hire a scribe to do it, or I would do it myself. And I would copy it word for word. It's why we have so many manuscripts of the Bible, and eventually we have different translations. That's why you have them. Uh, someone says, well, I don't, I don't like the way they translate it, so I'm going to translate mine. Some of you might have the ESV version or the NIV or the NASB, or you have them all on your phone. Well, along the way, there was a small portion of rabbis or scribes or teachers that were like, hey, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We need for our readers to know why they're around the pool. So we're going to start adding right here why. And so it's not, that, it's not that it's a bad thing that it's not in there. It's just adding some clarification to us. Now, the reason it's not in there verse by verse in the NIV and, and maybe in whatever translation you have, but it's at the footnote, is because they have more manuscripts from the first century that doesn't have it in there. And the most reliable ones, dating all the way back the furthest, don't have it in there. Okay, does it make sense? But it still gives us an idea of why, so we're thankful for it that it's in there, because it gives us an idea of why they're around. There are all these paralyzed, sick people who are around this pool waiting to jump in. Well, that, that's an issue for the character that we're about to, that we're about to come across. Verse 5, one who had been there, who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? So we have this man who is at this pool. He's been there for 38 years. He's an invalid. So, he, so he's been an invalid for 38 years. So one of a couple of things is happening. Either he just camps out there, or someone brings him every day and drops him off. Now, in the first century, which is when this takes place, and that's why I keep bringing up the first century. In the first century, being a beggar was a good living. You could be, especially if you aligned your schedule with Jewish festivals, which is why Jesus comes across this man at a Jewish festival. There are tons of people around. And so it makes sense that he's out here begging for money. It's a lucrative uh, career at this time, especially for someone who can't, can't have a career on his own. And so he's sitting around begging, and Jesus comes up and asks like the most dumb question. Sorry, Lord. Like he just walks up. I shouldn't say dumb. All right, I didn't die, so that's good. God didn't kill me right there. Appreciate your love and mercy. Thank you. Your mercies are new every day. Um, but it does seem a little odd, doesn't it? He walks up to a guy who's been an invalid for 38 years, and he says, do you want to get well? There's a story uh, I ran across a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. Uh, it was a peanut. You guys remember these, the, the cartoons um, in the newspaper? Oh, um, the newspaper. 
there used to be cartoons in them, and, and uh, one of them was Peanuts, uh, written by Charles Schultz, who just recently died. And one of those, uh, one of those was, um, um, what was the girl's name? Lucy. Lucy. She says to, uh, to Charlie, um, he, she says, have you ever been on a cruise ship, Charlie Brown? And he said, no, I've never been on a cruise ship. She said, well, life is like a cruise ship, Charlie Brown. She says, um, some people bring their chair out and they face it to the back. And they admire the speed at which they're leaving and the vastness of all that is gone. But some other people on this cruise ship, Charlie Brown, they take out their chair and they face it forward because they're excited for what's to come. She said, Charlie Brown, which way is your seat facing Charlie Brown says, I feel like I can't even get my chair open. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're just so busy wrestling a deck chair. You can't even begin to think about your past and how far you've come. Or what used to be and wish it was that way again. You're fumbling with this chair of life. You can't even, you are overwhelmed. Join the club to think about looking at the future of what might be next. And so, you know, sometimes it is easy, easier for us to just stay wrestling with this chair. You know what I mean? Like, it's easier for us to just stay wrestling I don't want to face the past, and I really don't want to face the future, so I'm just going to fight with this chair. It's a lot easier for us to stay sick than to get well. Uh, I hate watching my kids be sick, you know. Um, and uh, uh, last, I think it was like last Wednesday or Thursday, Bowen, uh, Bowen's my son. He's, he just turned six, and he's learning how to be sick like a man. You know what I mean? Wives, you know what I mean? So he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's sweating, and we panic, right? Like, well, let's get him in the bathtub. Let's cool his temperature down. Do you need jello? Do you need pudding? Do you need a back massage? Do you need to go play 18 holes of golf? Because I'll take you. <laughs> whatever you need, whatever you need. And, uh, you know, when your kids are sick, you're waiting on them hand and foot. Do you, do you need ice cold water? No. Do you need Sprite? No. Do you need ginger ale? Yeah, I need ginger ale. We don't have any ginger ale. I'll go to the store and get it. Whatever he needs, I'm going to get him. I'll get him AAA batteries if that's what he needs. It doesn't matter. Whatever, you know, he's... And so you're like waiting. I'm waiting on him hand and foot. Well, it, it's Thursday. turns into Friday, and he's still sick. Okay, Friday turns into Saturday. He has a little bit of fever. Saturday turns into Sunday. We don't want to go to church because we don't want to get anyone else sick. Please follow that advice. Um, someone almost clapped. That might not have been bad. Anyway, um, <laughs> Saturday turned into Sunday. Sunday turned into Monday. And my man's all right. Walk out in the living room. How you feeling, man? I'm so sick. <laughs> you are sick like a man. I feel you. I just want to play Sega. Yeah, we play Sega because we're dope. Uh, I just want to play Sega. Can you get me some pancakes? Brother, get up off that chair. You are fine. But, you get what I'm saying? We like to be sick. Well, because we get some attention with it. 
Also, we don't have to be responsible. We don't have to clean our room if we stay sick, you know? We don't have to pick up. We can have someone carry me into the toilet to pee. Okay, I was referring back to my kid, not me, all right? You get what I'm saying? We, we like to marvel in our sin because it gives us something to talk about. It gives us a need for other people. It, it requires us to not have responsibility for our own actions. We can blame it on something else. Hey, can, can I tell you, uh, the last couple months have been really tough for me. Um, man, I hate when the Lord changed my message because sometimes I cry and I don't want to do that. Um, uh, last couple months have been tough. I have... Uh, Man, I, I don't know. I've been in the living rooms with people, and, and had, I've had to call um, suicide prevention. That's hard. I've sat in living rooms with people who, they don't want to sit next to each other because their marriage is over. And you leave with no resolution. And if you've been around here any time, you know I love marriage probably more than anything else in Scripture. And that's hard. I've attended funerals, and <clears throat> no, matter, no matter how well you know them or don't, you can't prepare, right? You just can't be ready. Um, I've had two friends in the last six months. Uh, one, we, y'all, we sat around his table and cried together. And we prayed, and in the next couple of days, there was a miracle that happened. And, you know, I don't use that term lightly, and he got a financial gift out of nowhere to help his home. And now if he sees me, he wants to punch me in the face. Another guy here, and this guy, I share my life with. All right, so here's the thing. We love hard, and we wear a lot of scars because of it, but that doesn't keep us from loving anymore, okay? That's just what we do. And, um, yeah, man, this guy, man, we... It was, he was becoming my best friend here. And so you pour those things out, you pour those things out, and over something silly, really something silly, he just decides that uh, he was going to be an elder here, I think, one day. Um, he was going to be a leader here and just decided that my preaching was inaccurate and it wasn't true and starts to tell people that. And we've talked once since then. I'm telling you all that because there are some of you that are still trying to love me, and I'm not letting you. It's better for me to stay sick. I like holding a grudge. I've got one up. And you know what? I probably deserve to have one because they lied to me. And I'm tired. I'm doing good with a lot of people, and so I deserve to have a grudge and hold one ever, right? I mean, right? Amen? You're on my team? Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, there's some of you that are really trying to love me. It's, it's just better for me to stay sick than to let that happen again. Some of you all are, are wrestling with an addiction. You know what? It's probably just easier for you to stay sick than to try to get better. Because if you get better, you're going to be, have to be responsible. You're going to have to cut ties with friends or friends. You're going to have to take steps to become clean. 
right? There, there are some of you in here that just turn to the bottle, right, when you get home, as soon as you get home from work. But it's just easier that way because no one knows, so you keep it hidden. And um, it, it's just fine. It's, it's just better. Be- because if you get better, then you have to get better, right? Dude, we have this sinful nature that we just like to stay sick. So it makes a lot of sense that Jesus says, do you want to get well? Because for this man, if he gets well, oh man, his life flips upside down, right? He's got to start to invest in his world. Like he's got to take responsibility. He's got to get a job. He's got to keep the law. He's got to pay his taxes. And all this money that's going around um, that, that is passing him by, he's not going to be able to come back to that. What's your sickness? Is it gossip? Do you talk about people more than you pray for them? Can I give you a good definition of gossip? If you're talking to someone, that's neither part of the problem or the solution. It's gossip. Don't use other people's names if they're not in the room and they're not part of the problem or the solution. But it's easier to do that. Because people laugh with you. And people will like you more. And uh, I'll just give you another little bit. If they do it with you, they'll do it about you. Um, what is it? Is it uh, um, greed? Like you just want more, you just want more dollars, you just want more, 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 more? Go get it. Go chase the dollar. And see how fulfilling it is when you still don't have enough, even though you've got plenty. You see, like, we just love to stay sick, and apparently I just love to keep talking about it. So let's move on, because uh, uh, you guys won't come back if I keep talking about it. Verse 7, sir, I have no one. <laughs> come on, man. Verse 7, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Lord, the, Jesus walks up to him in a... In a crowd, there's a stranger standing next to him who says, I will help you. You have no friends here, but I will help you. I imagine this place to be a really competitive pool. Because remember, the first one in gets healed. So they're looking for bubbles to come up. They jump in, they're healed. There are no friends here, right? Get out of my way. I'm going to carefully position myself so that I can fall in or so that I can make my way into the water. This pool is not a friendly place. And then all of a sudden, a stranger becomes a friend. Do you want to get well? And what does the man do? He makes an excuse. Well, I got no one else to push me in. He never really, he never really um, answers Jesus. But Jesus goes ahead and he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. One commentator says he believes that Jesus scared the man into following in him. Like, uh, my verse has a... Uh, my um, Bible has an exclamation mark after get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And then, um, at, this is what it says, verse 9, at this, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Um, you know, I, I don't know what you expected when you gave your life to Jesus. I don't know if you expected anything to change or nothing to change or everything to change. But sometimes we, in our lives, we, we decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been baptized here at Restore. And it's this new car, right? 
Just imagine you bought a new car. For, for all of us, we're imagining. Buy a new car, and um, it's the best, right? I mean, for like six months, you're like, no Taco Bell in here at all. That's a big sacrifice, y'all. <laughs> Notice I didn't say cookout. Taco Bell. Cookout always allowed. Uh, no Taco Bell in my car. No food in my car. Keep your feet off the chairs. This car is new. Well, after six months, it's not new anymore, right? Got a little coffee stain in the back. I don't know why you have coffee in the back, but coffee stain in the back. Um, you got a little scratch on the side. Not that big of a deal. As check engine light comes on, you're like, ah, it'll turn itself off. Or you put a picture of your wife there so because she fixes everything. Aww. You cover it, um, you cover that up, and here's, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. We're ignoring, right? We're ignoring the purchase that had been made. When you and I give our life to Jesus, man, it's great. We come out of that water. We're on fire. We're ready to roll. We're ready to love this city recklessly. And then our job gets in the way, and then our commitments get in the way, and we just kind of like, we just, our flame just kind of grows out a little bit. And we forget the purchase that was made for us to be able to have that grace and that forgiveness and that new life. And sometimes, no, not sometimes, in every case, when you come to, when you come to love Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, you can't stay the same. That's not how it works. There needs to be changes made. There needs to be upkeep to your life. You have got to change. A life that comes into contact with Jesus is changed forever. And so if you've come to know Jesus in the last two years since Restore Church has opened and your life looks the same, you might want to question your relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't tell this man, do you want to get well? He makes some kind of excuse and he's like, all right, you're well, but just stay there. Just stay there. You're good, dude. You're good. We just love you as you are, which we do. But God loves you too much to keep you that way. He's like, just st stay right there. You're good. No worries. We don't need you to do anything different. You've, you've acknowledged, cool, I'm on to the next. That's not how it works. What, what did Jesus time to do? Pick up his mat and walk. Here's what's significant. He tells him, pick your mat up. I thought about this all week. Maybe this is why God didn't want me to preach this sermon. I don't know. I thought about this all week. Like, there's some significance there. Because what if this whole life thing doesn't work out? I still got my mat to go back to. If I can't make enough money, I still got my, my mat to go back to. You know, too much, too much times, too many times in our life, we leave that there so that we can return just for security. You know what I'm saying? Look, if you're an addict... Cut it out. Not, not like cut it out, but yeah, stop. But what I mean is get it all out. Every avenue of your life, get it out. Are you addicted to pornography? Get it out of your home. Man, don't own a computer. Don't own a smartphone. Don't have wireless internet. You'll do what it takes, won't you? If you're a drug addict, like, find some way. Have your house cleaned. Have someone else clean your home. Get it out. You're an alcoholic. Go home and dump it all out. Here's the thing. You can't drink alcohol if you don't have it. Friends, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, if we're going to follow Jesus like this man's about to, pick it up. Pick up your mat and go. Man, I'm starting to sound like a real preacher. I need to 
get back to the Bible here. Look, he picks up his mat and follows Jesus. We got we to gotta wrap this up. Um, just, just read with me. I'm, I want to read a verse 18 because that's significant, and, and we'll wrap it up. Maybe the Holy Spirit can speak to you through some verses we didn't preach about this morning. At once the man with security picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, so the holy day they weren't allowed to work. So the Jewish leader said to the man who has been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. There's a difference between religion and following Christ. These guys just want to follow rules, and they want you to do it too. Following Jesus doesn't look like that. It looks like a relationship. It looks like loving people regardless, right? And that's what Jesus did. But he replied, the man who made me, the man who made me well uh, said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk, pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Okay, keep reading. The plot of John is about to change and pick up immensely. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, these religious people, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to John, or making himself equal to God. You see, John is really wanting us to know that the word is Jesus, but Jesus is God. And he tells us that in verse 18, because Jesus is calling God his father. There's a difference between being religious and loving Jesus. Now, there is an aspect of following the rules. You know, we, we want to obey Jesus. Uh, we want to we show the fruit of following him. But uh, it's not about keeping rules. And that's what really allowed me to fall in love with Jesus. Because Jesus was willing to put it all on the line for me, who is not a rule follower. And I've been rebellious since I was uh, about 14 minutes old. Especially when you look at, when, especially when you look at my high school, like my teen years. Um, I, I still, even have, as a pastor, I sin. Not very often, but I do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I sin all the time. But yet Jesus laid it on the line for me. And he lays it on the line for a selfish guy who won't take responsibility for himself. Even when they ask him, who did this to you? He still makes some kind of circle about excuse, right? So there's this guy, and, and he won't stand up for anything. Even after Jesus healed him, and he did it all at a Jewish festival where there were people around. He doesn't bring notoriety to himself. Like, he doesn't stand up and say, hey, everyone, look at me, and look what I'm doing. But he heals this guy full well knowing that verse 18 was coming. He knew that in verse 18 they were going to persecute him and they were going to try to, and, and they were going to try, verse 18 says, to, all the more to kill him. All for this guy who's sick. 
Here's why we love over and over, even though we get hurt over and over. It's because it's worth it. And it hurts, and we get back up, and we do it again. But we love over and over and over again. We put it on line for people who may not deserve it. Because that's what Jesus did for you. Did you deserve for God to die on the cross for you? No. Me either. But he did it anyway. Because he loved you. He loves you. And he loves me. He lays it all on the line. His reputation, his name, and his life for you. I guess the question we need to ask as we end is, um, do you want to get well? Like, do you want to pursue Jesus? Um, you might say, I do, but if I don't, if I stay sick, I have this group around me. Hey, look, if you want to choose to get well today, you got this group around you. One thing we do really well here is we love each other through our stuff. We help each other through our issues. We help each other get through the mess. We push each other. We drag each other. We celebrate with each other. We cry with each other here. That's it. You got your crew. Like we got your back. If, if you want to follow Jesus, look, we're, we're going to help you do that. You may say that you don't want to get well because it's too late for you. You're too far gone. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Hey, we want to help you to develop a relationship with Jesus here. And if you're a Christ follower, we want to help you. If you say, man, I need to get well. If you need help beyond what we can do, man, we'll recommend you. We know some really awesome people that can help with stuff like that. And so, um, look, the question is, do you want to get well? And I guess a good follow-up question is, are you willing to are you willing to pick your mat up to get well? Hey, I, I, wanna, I just want to pray. I want to thank God just for his presence and for being here, for his word. Um, God, thanks for taking sick people and making them well in the Bible. God, thanks for a miracle like this. Forgive us when we read these things and, and we grow, I don't know, used to them. But God... I pray that we never get used to our sickness, to our diseases. I pray we don't get used to our sin. God, we, we want to be well. We want to be healthy. And even though it comes at a cost, we know that the greatest cost was, was the life of Jesus. And So help us. Um, help us to get well. God, to leave everything behind and to pursue pursue you. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who took on the cross and scorned its shame. Uh, God, I thank you for a community of people that just, that love so deeply and love each other, that loves our community. Um, God, I, I pray that you just continue to work in, in our lives and uh, through this this group of people. God, we pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen.